In uh, Matthew chapter 1, one more lesson around the uh, events concerning the birth of Christ, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was invited to, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be a child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. This morning, I'm going to uh, bring uh, a lesson that I've taught a couple of times before, but I first taught it uh, back in 2009 or 2008, it was right there at the time of the new year. About 12 years ago, it was, uh, as I said, the time of Christmas in our church. Our church had had split that summer in August. And some of the people that had left had gone away for Christmas and there was just a small handful of us left. Uh, almost pitiful, <laughs> except uh, nothing's pitiful with the Lord. And I remember that I bought a bunch of ice cream and we went over to the other building and uh, we, uh, everybody got some ice cream, and I begin to teach this lesson. And uh, sometimes the Word of God, we read it constantly, we study it, we, we uh, want to be devoted to it, and, and, uh, and on rare occasions, um, not, not uh, saying a good thing about us, but on rare occasions, we find that uh, that the word of God is powerful, and that it's alive, and that it speaks to our hearts. And uh, I just remember, as though it was yesterday, uh, for. In that study, and as we as a little group were there, the Lord came down and 
he encouraged our hearts in the only way as he could do it. And for me, I don't know about for the rest of the church, I was talking to Rebecca about this just the other day. In fact, for some reason on her Facebook, it posted, a comment posted up that this took place, uh, you know, a number of years ago. And so she was commenting to me about that. But it was for me the beginning of climbing out of a, a dark valley. And it was the renewal of knowing that, uh, that I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. Well, I'm going to talk to you about uh, Joseph. We hear a lot about Christ. We hear about uh, Mary. We hear about the wise men and the shepherds. But there's not a lot ever uh, taught about Joseph. And in fact, uh, until I taught that lesson there 12 or 13 years ago, I had never studied it before or read of anybody else that had. Joseph was a man whose hopes and dreams had turned into a nightmare. You see there in verse 18 that it tells us that he was espoused to be married. Now the birth of Jesus Christ on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. And so let's talk a little bit about what exactly that means to be espoused in the Jewish society. Uh, when a Jewish young man uh, found a girl or was attracted by a girl that he thought would be a wonderful wife, it was customary for him to go to his father and, ask, and talk to his father about it and with his advice and then having that be firmed up for the father to go talk to the girl's father about the prospect of marrying the girl. If the father found out that the girl was interested, uh, then an amount of a dowry for the bride, the bride price would be set. Uh, when these matters settled in between the families, uh, the potential bride would then come into the room and the prospective groom would proclaim his love for her and ask her to be his bride. And a gift would be given, perhaps a ring, not always a ring. And it was witnessed by at least two people. And this saying would be said when the gift was presented. Behold, you're consecrated unto me with this gift according to the law of Moses and Israel. And arrangements at that time would be made uh, concerning the terms of the marriage, a written contract uh, for the time and the place, the size of the wedding, as well as how much dowry she would be given, and the terms for maintaining the marriage. This would be called an espousal. 
And it says here that he was espoused, she was, Mary was espoused to Joseph. It's much more, though, than just the engagement that we have in our society. From this point on, even though they had not consummated the marriage, Mary would be called his wife and Joseph would be called her husband. It's a very binding thing. Joseph would go and begin to build a house. In my father's house are many mansions. Sometimes the house would be built upon by, by the parent's house or attached to the parent's house. Usually it would take about a year to build the house. And when the house was ready, the time of the marriage would be performed. He would go and uh, get his bride and bring her home and the marriage would be consummated. It was a time of great joy for both Joseph and Mary, but Joseph, he's uh, building a house. Maybe possibly he's thinking about how can, what little thing could I do here in my carpentry? He was a carpenter. What could I do to make a very this spatial for Mary, make it easier for Mary? And he's, he was uh, diligent about building a house. He's pouring his heart into it. He's working. He's planning. He's dreaming about the day that uh, they will be together uh, forever. And then uh, one day, perhaps his father, perhaps his brother, perhaps his cousin, Perhaps Mary herself came to Joseph and said, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And all the dreams of Joseph come tumbling down. The dowry that he had got together was like water poured out on a dry ground. What's the purpose? It had been a time of tremendous embarrassment for Joseph. And the families involved. There are three possibilities. One is that Mary and Joseph had committed fornication, and obviously that didn't happen. The, the baby could have belong to some lover of Mary. It could have been from a Roman soldier. It could have been from rape. That's obvious, wasn't. And so Joseph, we don't have this recorded, but you can imagine him say, what? How did this happen, Mary? Oh, the Holy Spirit came and gave it to me. That's a, you know, that's like a Pecos Bill who who uh, wrestled the, you know, roped the tornado and rode it. I mean, that's a big tell. 
Of course, we know it to be true. Now, what happens sometimes in life, and uh, maybe I should just say it will happen in life, because God uses things to grow us. But dreams can turn to nightmares. And often we, we, we're going to fix it. And uh, fixing our own nightmares doesn't often work. Sometimes when our dreams turn into nightmares, we just uh, pitch in the towel and life still goes on, even if you pitch in the towel. And some people get angry, angry with God, which only results in them hurting themselves and others. And it's a rare thing to find a man like Joseph where his broken dreams that had become incomprehensible and, and nightmarish, that, that he uh, took them seemingly almost immediately uh, to the throne of God. And perhaps he said something like this, Lord, I don't understand why this has happened to me. I never wanted this but it's happened nonetheless. I'm here before you now to ask for your help. Even though I cannot see it, I know that you have something better for me than I had planned for myself. Please give me the grace to believe it and by faith to see it. Do you ever think that when your dreams turn into nightmares that God perhaps has something better than what you planned. If that's your first thought, then you're a better man than I am. Usually, usually when that happens, excuse me, my first thought is why? Why did you do this, God? I can understand it if it was an evil thing that I was planning or a disobedient thing, but when I'm, when I'm in the will of God, why has this great, you know, Lord, you're the one that gave me the vision to marry this girl. You're the one that led me. You're the one that gave me peace about this. And now it's turned into a nightmare. And so when... Uh, dreams turn into nightmares. There's, there's two things we need to really concentrate on. We need to concentrate on our character. And we need to concentrate on our conduct. Slamming doors and kicking dogs. None of you do that. And so let's look at his character. After this announcement is given to us in Scripture in verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. 
that the character of Joseph, no matter the fact that he, he had been greatly disappointed, he remained a just man. Someplace in the Bible it says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And when my apple cart gets tipped over, uh, sometimes if it's a person, then the first thing I want to do is pop him right in the nose and go away talking about how righteous I am. <laughs> that isn't going to work. Justice, being just. When it talks about he was a just man here, it means that he was a man who lived for God. It speaks of the fact that he was a man who by faith trusted God. It speaks of the fact that he was a saved man and his sins had been forgiven. It speaks of the fact that even though he meets with great disappointment, it did not drive him to sinful, ungodly behavior. And when God has let, allowed things to happen, then oftentimes we could throw up our hands or, or it leads to sinful, ungodly behavior. It's amazing. Not amazing enough. It's a... It's deplorable, let's say that, that the words that can come out of our mouth when we've been greatly disappointed. Ungodly actions. Ungodly thoughts. But he was a just man. He was also, uh, he's also not only just, but he was, he was very compassionate. The last thing that I want to do when, when I, my dreams have become a nightmare is to be compassionate to others. I don't have time for you. Don't you know that I'm hurting? And what has happened is uh, we, we are here and, and we think we're the center of our little universe when there's people all around us that God wants us to minister to. But he was compassionate. If we had time this morning, we'd go over to Deuteronomy chapter 22, and you'd find that the law called for a public ceremony of the pouring out of the sin. And if a woman became pregnant out of wedlock, that it allowed for the stoning of that woman. A public divorce, if she would have been divorced publicly and it would be public knowledge, what that would result in for Mary is that she would have been destitute financially after her parents died, just basically. Because nobody's going to marry a woman like that in New Testament times. But Joseph didn't want to hurt her in any fashion, in any way. And he wanted to keep it just as quiet as possible.
And I think we see uh, some of that indicated when, when uh, Augustus made a decree that all the world should be taxed as census and they go back to their home village, that surely if someone was crippled or someone was ailing or someone is nine months pregnant, they wouldn't have been forced to go that distance. But Mary went with Joseph. And we can surmise why, but I think part of it could have been that he didn't want to leave Mary at any time to be ridiculed by others, and he wanted to protect her. He was a compassionate man. He remained just. He acts out in love. And let's understand that God uses men and women, but he uses those who have a tender heart and a compassionate heart that sees the needs. And so the real test of maturity is not what a person faces in life, nor is it even revealed in what they are called to do. But the real test of maturity is evidenced by the depth of a person's character and what's been dealt him, what's been put on his plate. And let's remember this. There's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but will also make a way of escape. That God didn't bring into Joseph's life anything that he couldn't handle. And when your nightmares, when your dreams turn to nightmares, and your apple cart is turned over. Let's begin to see and understand that it wasn't just the boss or those in authority over you or some evil person, but, uh, but God knew. And he uh, can and able. It's one thing to be placed in a trial, and it's another thing to respond to that trial in a proper manner. It's one thing to be called to carry out a task for the Lord, and it's another thing not to question it. And so his character was a just man and a compassionate man. And when I'm going through some hard times, I need to realize it's not all about me. And I need to be a just person and a compassionate person. And I know that uh, not always are we compassionate in the midst of the fire. But 1 Corinthians talks about how we can comfort 
the Lord enables us to comfort, comfort others because of what we've been through. And so let's look at his conduct in verse 20. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is the Holy Ghost. And he's going to do that. And what we find in his conduct is that he's going to be submissive. He didn't say, this is crazy. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to live with this. But he was, he was uh, submissive. God tells him to take Mary's wife. He had planned on putting her away privately, but now he's going to marry her. And you have to understand this. When Joseph married Mary, it placed, I don't know how to say this, uh, it placed uh, a mark upon his life forever. There goes Joseph. He's married to that woman that got pregnant before they were married. There goes Joseph. He was messing around before he got married. Look over there in John chapter, Pastor brought this out the other day, but look in John chapter 6. Is either Joseph's baby in the eyes of the world, Mary's secret lover, maybe a, the child being raped by a Roman soldier? But in John chapter 6 and verse 42 and they said is not this Jesus Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know how is it that he saith I came down from heaven Jesus therefore uh, let's see Okay, um, let's go over to eight, chapter 8. It'll, uh, I thought it said in 42, there's a son of fornication, but I guess not. But, huh? Oh, 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the, uh, John 6, 41? Oh, 48. What? Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm going. John 8, uh, let's look at 37 through 41. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and he is he that talketh with me, with thee. Chapter I, <laughs> uh, at least I got my sweater on today, my nice sweater. I zipped it up, and I even got my ears in, so I did something right. All right, here we go, 837, 837. And I know that ye are Abraham's seed, 
but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Then I should have said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. And now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which ye have heard of God and did, the, did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We be not born in fornication. We have one father, even God. And that was a, that was a low blow. Uh, Joseph was uh, <clears throat> known as linked to this idea that Jesus was born of fornication. Go back to chapter 1 again of Matthew. In chapter 1 and 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived her is the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which interpreted, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And so we find him uh, not only being su submissive, but it was that submissiveness and implied he's being obedient, and he takes Mary to be his wife. Other evidence is that Joseph was spiritually sensitive is when the angel had told him, you need to get up and leave here. During the time of uh, the observance of the rituals in Jerusalem, uh, following the birth of the child, he had him circumcised. They go, Joseph, we see that he goes to the Passover. And remember when they lost Jesus in the, in the, amongst the people and they found him later sitting in the temple talking. He trained Jesus as a carpenter. And uh, he was uh, very much uh, involved in being the proper father that he needed to be. Also, if you look there in verse 25, something that we just kind of pass over immediately, but not only was the building of the house and preparing the house important for Joseph and Mary both, but the marriage was, was finalized. It was seen as settled at the, the consummation of the marriage, that the, when they would come together, and they would have the sexual act, and and uh, any any red-blooded person looks forward to that. 
But here Joseph is living with Mary for at least nine months, and it says, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. And so we see there that there are times when doing God's will is not the easiest thing to do. Sometimes, oh, I'm, you know, it's God's will, and, you know, it's, it's going to be easy. No, sometimes doing God's will is not easy. But it's a lot better than not doing God's will. <laughs> there are times when doing his will is not the most convenient thing to do. But you see, Christian, Christianity is not about what's easiest. It's about what is right. And we need to come to the place where we pray, not my will, but thine be done. And so, when dreams turn into nightmares, we need, to, we need to be careful of our character. And flowing out of our character, we need to be careful of our conduct. And so here's some lessons that are implied. I think it's implied in this uh, beyond what we've said that parenting is a critically important activity. When God the Father intended to prepare Christ to be born and come as a man in this world, he prepared a man to be his father. Secondly, obedience to God involves risk-taking. The angel directed Joseph to proceed in his marriage plans. It contradicted common sense. And when we have the will of God, but it's not common sense, then that demands of us a greater trust. When he told him to flee into Egypt, here you are, you have a little baby, you're a carpenter, and you're told to go to another nation who's not actually real friendly with Israel. Thirdly, we need to come to come to terms with God's authority. Uh, Joseph thought that holiness and God's word required him to spurn Mary. I mean, that's what the Deuteronomy 22 says. He ought to put her away. But the opposite was true. And so, uh, surprisingly, 
in our Christian life. Sometimes preconceived notions we find out are not right. And I think sometimes we find out that uh, just because God allows or leads some church members in a certain way doesn't mean he's going to let you go that way. Understand what I'm saying? God has a specific will for each of us. And it may be even that what God seems to allow them to do, he's not going to allow you to do. And you say, where is the justice in that? Well, God has a plan. And it's a plan just specifically designed for you individually. Aren't you glad that God's plans weren't just uh, printed out and everybody got the same one? What matters is thus saith the Lord. And then fourthly, I think we see in this, as you would study maybe more of it out, is poverty is no barrier uh, to Christianity. When, when Joseph went to the temple to give the sacrifice for the birth of the baby, Mary only offered two birds. And protocol in Leviticus 12 is that the well-to-do man would give an animal, a lamb, but those who were poor would uh, only give the two doves. Joseph wasn't rich. In fact, he probably didn't even really build much of a house for Mary. It was probably attached to his parents' house. And uh, not a big flash in the pan. And maybe you aren't either. Maybe the waves you make when you get in your boat doesn't make much of a little trail. And thank God for that. Because that's the kind of people he uses. You know why? Because he wants the glory. And then we find that obedience is the basis for leadership. There's no biblical record that suggests that Joseph was charismatic or flamboyant. But his overarching qualities, as we've seen, is obedience and humility. And he obeyed 
He obeyed what Caesar said. He obeyed what the Old Testament law commanded. He obeyed God when God specifically dealt with him and sent the Spirit of God to deal with him. And he was obedient. Nothing of value will ever take place in our lives. Nothing of value will ever take place in our lives if we're not obedient. And then let's close in thinking about jo what Joseph's broken dreams actually became. Joseph's dreams became a much greater reality. You realize that Joseph had a part in raising a child who never ever said, no, daddy. Never did. And it seemed, and we don't know when Joseph died, it seems before Mary, Mary's at the cross, uh, and Joseph's not. And God gave him the job of supplying the physical needs of Emmanuel. And what seemed like a hard pill to swallow was actually a tremendous blessing. Now let me ask you something that I have to ask myself. Does God have permission to interrupt your dreams? Does God have permission to make what was your great plans turn into a nightmare? Well, let me say to you that he doesn't need it. He's going to do what he's going to do. But, but he's wanting to develop our character and he's wanting us to guard our conduct. As you study, as you study out David's life in my book, in my library, I have a book called Making of the Man of God. And it's about David and his trials and his running from King Saul. Why does God allow our great hopes and dreams to come falling down? Well, we know that part of that's our fault because sin reaps. We will reap our sin. But even in reaping sin, God's still in the restoration business. And so what, what are we going to do? Well, the Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind 
is stayed on thee. So we need to say, I'm going to stay my mind. My, my thoughts have been running every place. <laughs> I'm, just going to, I'm going to stay my mind. I'll keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The issue is when I've been greatly disappointed, when I've been seemingly beat up. Can I trust God to know what he's doing? Can I trust God to work in my life with the will and do of his good pleasure? Can I trust God if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me? Can I trust God to put it back together? Can I trust God with my life? Well, Joseph did. And it wasn't easy. But I would say to you, if we're going to emulate any man after Christ, uh, Joseph might be a good one to look to. Okay? All right. You're dismissed.